0: Welcome to the SN Sport Extra Time podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. We make the web do more and powered by Grandon Graphics.
1: Really pleased to be joined on the SN Sport Extra Time podcast by former Bournemouth Fielder Scott Kerr. How are we doing today, Scott? Are you all right?
0: Yeah, really good, mate. Thanks.
1: Keeping busy at the moment, strange times. Yeah, keeping busy, as, as we all are trying
0: to do in, in uncertain times. I think that's the only way in it. Just keep smiling and plodding, moving
1: forward, really. Yeah, we just had, um, had a little chat there, didn't we? You're going, you're going week yeah. by week,
0: aren't you, at the moment? Yeah, week by week, moved on from day by day. Um, hopefully that'll make the year pass quickly. Um, hopefully they might get a vaccine and we can all, that's normal. Yeah. Um, that's the hope, that's the it? Get back into football stadiums and watching some proper football
1: yeah definitely definitely let's just do obviously we've had a few questions sent in so thanks to all the Borough fans for sending the questions in um, yeah so let's just, just touch on what you're doing at the moment what were what you up to for a living at the moment Scott um, uh,
0: well at the minute I'm, I work as a financial advisor I have done for the last five years since I've pretty much come out of full time football I went into obviously went part time when I signed for Bradford Park Avenue well L.S. Grimsby um, and Become a financial advisor which I've been doing for the last five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously quite tough because I offer face-to-face advice. So over the last seven months, it's been really hard, difficult because we have not been able to go in, go you know, go into people's homes basically. So um, I've I've been my brother. My brother's he owns his own joinery company, so I've been doing a little bit with him um, just to keep busy. More than out really, mm. uh, helping him and just keeping busy, getting out and. More for my mental health, really, just to keep focused, you know, with, with the uncertain times that we we're in at the
1: minute. Yeah, very challenging times, isn't it? But how, how did you get into the old financial advising then? How did you come <laughs> on start after finishing
2: football? Bit of a change? To
0: be honest, yeah, it, it was something that I didn't think he wanted, something that I was like, all oh, right, I'm going to do that. Um, it was more the protection side of it, to be honest. One of my friends um, said with a lot of my you know, contacts within, you know, non-league, lower league, stuff like that, we do a lot of protection plans that protect footballers and rugby players and stuff like that, you know, if they, come, if they get injured and yeah. can't work. And, um, so it was basically utilising my contact base, to be honest, and that's where it started and, you know, it just went from there early and, you know, I built up a massive contact base
2: and, you know, I've got over nearly a thousand clients now, so oh, it's really good, yeah, you know, I enjoy it, I enjoy it. Um, obviously not at
0: the minute, is so tough because it's Such uncertainty for everyone, you know, not just myself, and it's it's just up in the air. But the things are still going well with it. It's just it's a matter of trying to tailor it to Zoom Zoom calls and stuff now, which I'm not really keen on. Um, I think
1: everyone is sick of Zoom now, aren't they? It's crap.
0: Yeah, I just think as well. You know, one of my one of my a lot of feedback I got from seeing clients was the fact that the way I come across and you know with people. Um, you know, building that re- relationship with people and that rapport so over Zoom you can't really do that. Yeah, it's just tricky. Uh, isn't so it is it being tough. I've tried to I've tried to minimalise it to be honest, if I'm you know, if I'm being truthful and just hopefully fingers crossed that sooner rather than later we'll be able to to go back to to some sort of normal.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. The new normal that's the worst phrase of the well, year I think it's
0: just in yeah. I'm sick of hearing that. Oh, yeah, I'd rather not
1: hear it. Too <laughs> see, see what comes. Yeah, definitely. He's still in the game, then at all. I've, I've, I've heard your name banded around with, with, with the borough job a f- couple of times, and I've heard you got, your, have you got your badges, etc. To touch on that. Yeah, yeah. I did my I
0: did my USB badges, and, and and towards the end, sort of when I was part time, I took, you know, I got involved a little bit with coaching, and I had a little stint, well, a, a week in charge at Staleybridge when the manager left. You know, prepared the team for for a, a six pointer against Gloucester. Um, and really enjoyed it and then to be honest it's, it's a t- such a tough it's such a tough thing to get back involved in at such a you know at such a low level that you potentially have to come in and start at I had a couple of job interviews for Osset, Ta- Osset Town when it was town before the joined, and also Frickley Athletic um, but the budgets were so difficult to, you know as a first job it was like you, had, you know even though I wanted to get involved it had to be the right job in a sense and you know, going into somewhere like Ossie with a budget of £800, that's for your full squad of 16 players, Mm. that were for you to take a wage and get a physio and assistant manager and everything, it's, you know, it's really difficult and so I chose against that Um, and then, to be fair, as time's gone on, it's sort of, it's been difficult I maybe fell out of love with the game a little bit and maybe gone away from it a little touch, to be honest, and. Yeah, I, I did put my, put my CV in for the Scarborough a couple of times. Um, but, you know, that was that, you know, by the by, obviously, they got a couple of big, big names in really, didn't they? But, well, say big names big names in the long, non-league circuit with, you know, people like Kittrick and DC and stuff like that for whatever reasons. Um, and they've had a bit of a, I suppose, Daz, I know Daz Kelly quite well and, you know, he's sort of maybe steadied the ship a little bit and he's trying to push on from there
1: yeah odd one was DC um yeah <laughs> Kim I'm yeah. Not, yeah. yeah well I played under John at Bradford Park Avenue for a little while um it did surprise me to be honest <laughs> when they gave him the job but
0: you know they obviously seen someone or someone was there that made them want to give him the job and you know it's one of them isn't it? Yeah, I think but... you see it a lot in the non-league circle a lot of these managers seem to keep getting jobs um and, you know, he'd done a good job for, for Bradford Park, Park Avenue over the years and obviously at Farsley, so...
2: Yeah.
0: You know, um, but it obviously didn't work out, did it?
1: Yeah, so how do you know Darren, then?
0: Uh, when I was at York, so when I was at York, Daz was there as... as um, he was there with the youth team a little bit uh, for a year or two,
1: so I know Daz quite well. Um, he's a good good guy, to be honest. Yeah, and obviously he's looking to progress the club and and move up a few levels and you hear quite a lot about his professionalism and his attention to detail for the level is is supposedly second to none
0: yeah you know he's, he's a good guy and I think it should you know obviously he did well eyed. I think the one thing with Daz is he's, he's, a, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a he's a good man-manager you know he'll look after the lads you know try and get lads to play for him to be honest mm. um, you know I personally he may slack a little bit with the ruthless side of it I don't know but if you can get, you know, if you can get a team playing for you, that's the main thing, you know? I was, so i go back to when I was at Lincoln with Keith Alexander, um, he just got, he was just such a good guy and looked after his players so much that players just wanted to play for him, do you know what I mean, they wanted to lead everything on the pitch for him as a, as a manager, as a person, so, and I think, you know, Daz is probably building a similar thing and he's got, you know, a few local lads back involved and um, stuff like that, so fingers crossed, you know, they can, they can try and move up and move the levels and get back to where, you know, where, where the old club belongs, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, he touched on the local lads there, we had uh, Mr. Beadle on the podcast last week and he mentioned yeah, you. Yeah, that
0: was funny, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a funny bloke, isn't he, to be fair, doesn't he? oh, back. <laughs>
0: he's a good lad, Jimmy, yeah. I was out with him, actually, just before, when was it? it saw lockdown kicked in, I was, because uh, I'm good, good, really good friends with Kulo, so all right, I took, I took my kids over to, um, I think we went to Blue Dolphin for the weekend in the caravan and, we end up spending. Me and my kids end up spending most of the weekend with Kulo and Rachel and his kids. So, um, and then we, we had a couple of beers on the Sunday when Jimmy come out, and yeah, <laughs> he's a funny lad. He just brought back all the memories from back in the day.
1: But he never imagined him being assistant manager at Scarborough. Well, no, you wouldn't have thought so,
0: but I think, you know, I think he could be a good fit. You know, I think one thing with Jimmy is, and you're probably all aware, he's not scared of saying what he thinks. And I think sometimes that, you know, that's a good thing. I think it might be a good foil for, for Daz in a sense that I said, like, Daz is a good guy, really. Uh, maybe do not want to get that confrontation side. So whereas Jimmy will probably do that if something needs to be said, I'm sure he's, you know, he's not going to hold back and, and say it. And I think that's where the game's changed a little bit now, you know. Back in the day, you can get, you know, you can, you got to wait, people had each other put up back throats, you know what I mean, just to get the best out of each other, whereas now you can't do that, or it seems that you can't do that.
1: So you think Jimmy might be the enforcer in the dressing room then?
0: Yeah, I think so, I think so, I think it's, you know, it's, 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 it's what you need you know you can't always go through being nice to everyone and sometimes it takes that little bit of aggression and nastiness to get the best out of someone yeah, you know one of my traits I suppose growing up <clears throat> you know even from when I started at prophet Air it got drilled into early doors um, and I think that's what I took through my career you were expecting you know you're not you're not having to go at someone because you don't like him you're having to go at someone because you want to do better you know And I think that's we had sort of when I were at Scarborough we had, we, we had a decent side
1: because we had a good mix of that Yeah, Jimmy mentioned last week I, I told him I was getting you on the podcast and he said obviously yeah. when, when Scott spoke he kind of stood up and, and, and took notice because you weren't the loudest in the dressing room like you mentioned Marcotti was always at it Yeah. But he said when you spoke you, you kind of people listened to you so he obviously had that respect in the dressing room uh, yeah
0: well that's obviously nice to hear and I think that is a big thing, you know, because you do get a lot, of, you, do, you know, I've gone through my career with certain players that will shout and be loud, and but sometimes they, they shout for the sake of it, you know, they're maybe doing it for, for certain other things, maybe they, they think sort of their manager likes that they're shouting at people, but they're actually not shouting anything that's constructive or helping the team or whatever, but I think that's one thing when I did sort of maybe speak up or get, you know, sort of... I, not aggressive, but you know, ask, ask for more for players. It would because I knew that players could give a little bit more, could be better, and that's what it was always about: making people better and you know, bettering myself and bettering us as
1: a team. Yeah, definitely. Right. In the past, on a few podcasts, I've uh, whittled on at the start, and then we've yeah. gone, gone over some of the questions, right. and then we've come back onto the questions, and you've already answered them. So what I want to do right. is get through these questions if that's all right, and then we'll go through your yeah, career on, mate, yeah. before we do your, yeah, fine your, on. your one to eleven. So. Yes, these are in no particular order and some of them are very random as you've probably seen on social media but um, yeah. first one's come from Johnny Giles uh, he says was Mark Hottie your best friend at Scarborough and if so do you still meet up and talk? yeah to be honest
0: um, that's, yeah, that's a good question but Hottie was yeah, I was when I come to Scarborough I didn't know anyone at Scarborough well I knew uh, Michael Price who was on a short term contract at left back who'd come in from Hull we'd spent a bit of time at Hull um, but then I ended up travelling in because Otti was from Leeds as well, um, and I was from Leeds, so we ended up travelling in together. Um, and we, we we hit it off, and I think we were pretty similar as well on the pitch. You know, we we both left it all out on the pitch. We used to we used to bicker and scrap in training most days because um, we both wanted to win. You know, training sessions and stuff like that, matches, and I think that's what helped bring out the best in each other. Um, but we off the pitch. We had a good relationship. We used to go out and have a few beers together, and and I do see. I still still in touch with Otzi. We tend to meet up every couple of weeks and go for a bite to eat and a few drinks and have a catch up. Is he still so involved in football? No, Otzi. To, to be fair with Otzi, he, he, he pretty much when he left Scarborough went to York, I think, and then he had a couple of moves around the non-league, and then when he retired at about thirty early 30s he's he's never been in football again um, he's a roofer now alright he went into roofing and he's been a roofer ever since we obviously played I think when we played in the, the you know the legends game that we had the, a couple of years ago down at the new ground that he played in that with, with obviously the old scarf team with me and that was his first I think his first game he played
1: in about seven years so <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's a good lad. He'll have no problem with the roof. and the roof, as I know, are making an absolute fortune. So there you go. Well <laughs> oh yeah, he's doing all
0: right.
1: For himself. <laughs> uh, second questions come from Simon Young. Does he think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank should have been sent off for elbowing him? Elbowing him, as it was pretty blatant <laughs> from where I was.
0: Uh, well, I think if it would if it had happened last week, I think it would have been a, a red card, wouldn't it? I think going back to, going back again to back in the day. A lot, a lot more Got you got away with a lot more um, but then again I think that suited me a little bit as well I think people say well do you miss playing and I think well probably not because I'd probably be either yellow carded or sent off every week so um, <clears throat> but yeah to, to the question I think he probably should have been sent off but you know a lot a lot went back in the day didn't it there were, you could get away with a little bit more
1: yeah definitely, definitely. On, the, on the Chelsea theme Dan Jones has been in touch and He asks, can you describe how it felt walking out in front of the fans for the Chelsea game and did you think it was going to be a rough game when Lampard hit the bar after just a few minutes?
0: Yeah, I think that's always a, a feature that everyone remembers, don't they? When I speak to lads and fans, the first first couple of minutes when Lampard hits that shot from about 35 yards and it bends and it's the post, you, you're thinking it's the writing's on the wall a little bit and... Um, and going out, walking out with the fans was unbelievable, you know, the atmosphere, you know, the airs on the back of your neck stood up and I actually put some on my Facebook last week when it was FA Cup weekend about, you know, about the Chelsea game and just how lucky we were to have the support that we did and the fans, it, you know, if we'd have played that game this week, last weekend with no fans, it just wouldn't have been the same. No. You know, you look back and see pictures of the fans up on the bank at the top and, you know, all round the ground, it was were amazing. I think the, the town was buzzing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, not just for that game. I think leading up to the game, for a few weeks up to the game, the town was buzzing. It was it was unbelievable. It's a it's a feeling that you know you won't you won't ever forget.
1: Yeah, let's to touch on the build up a little bit. Cause there's no other questions about the build up, and obviously the, I've spoke yeah. to a few people from that team, and they said it was almost exhausting. All the, all the press and obviously the sun were got got involved, didn't they? And yeah. Uh, It must have been exhausting, but also a nice change as well from the usual.
0: Yeah, it was, and you know, it it, it was quite draining and exhausting because we were training and there was massive media push behind it, and then the Sun getting involved and sponsoring the kit for the game, and constantly having, you know, different things going on, and I always remember towards, I think it was the day before the game, or a couple of days before the game, we had one of these psychologists come in, and it got a little bit too much, to be fair, for me. Uh, I, I obviously started at Bradford and been in the full-time game and being at Hull. And uh, stuff like that, I, I was quite a mentally strong person anyway and mm. believed in your own ability and stuff. And I think, I know there was only trying to, to help us in every way possible, but I remember something like we ended up training in the morning and then having media and then having dinner and then we had to go back to the ground for this this psychologist sports psychologist coming in who you know which I just felt a lot of the lads were sat in that in that room with the sports psychologist just like nodding off you know <laughs> a bit like that um, but I know they were only trying to give us the best possible opportunity you know to go and either beat Chelsea or you know give us best we could
1: Yeah so do you think he maybe took it away from, and maybe I mean you're going to show Chelsea respect anyway aren't you but a lot of teams would just think, right, we've done well to get to this stage. Should we just go about it like we, like we normally would and approach it like we normally would?
0: Yeah, it's a tough one, in it? It's a tough one because you could go about it that way and then people could say, oh, well, you didn't give it enough. But I think from the level we were at, to, you know, to get to where we did, beating the teams that we did, to be honest, you know, beating Donny to get to the second round, we were top of League 2 at the time, I think, and then beat Port Vale, who were... Fifth or sixth in League One, and you know, then obviously going to South End which were the, they were bottom of League Two at the time. That would would have been the easiest game, and turned out to be you know a good battle. But over the two games, but I don't think there's any right or wrong way of going about preparing for it. I just think it's a new when you at that level, and you get drawn against them big teams. It's, it, it becomes a a new thing, doesn't it? And people want to come in from everywhere and offer you. They want to get a bit of a limelight so they start offering things don't they oh we can give you this we can give you that so and as a club with Scarra where we were financially and stuff it was massive for the club
1: yeah definitely um just you touched on Southend there so yeah. James Busby and Louis Palmer have both been in touch um describe the feeling and moment of when the ball hit the back of the net at End in front of the travelling away fans in the FA Cup and Louis said obviously similar what was it like volleying yeah. in the equaliser at Southend yeah yeah, it was unbelievable, to be honest. I think, you know, uh,
0: same again, like in the Airs and the next stand up, and my dad was at the game, and a few friends, he'd gone down with them. Um, and I think that game as well, we, you know, we went down there full of confidence, and then I think it was it about five minutes, they scored. In the first five minutes, with the us on the rails straight away, and then they scored, and it was like, oh my God. And we had to settle the ship a little bit, we had to sort of just stay in the game early doors. But then second half, when, when we come out and we scored, you know. We, we probably could have won it. We probably should have won it on down there. Um, but if we, you know, if we'd have been told then what was going to happen afterwards, we'd have took the draw and took it back. Because you know, going back to the McCain, I think there was more fans on the on the Tuesday night against Southend than there was in the Chelsea game. I think the atmosphere was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I was there for that one. It was just incredible, yeah, wasn't it? It, it was. Incredible. It was
0: electric, and it just seemed to have fans everywhere, uh, and it, it was amazing. And I think we going back to that we got a little bit of a push off that because I think Steve Tilton, who was manager of South End at the time, actually went on to become my manager at Lincoln. Maybe that's why he didn't like me because I <laughs> scored against him and knocked him out of the cup. But um, he, they, I think they put an article in their press that there because the draw got made, didn't it, that either Chelsea, Southend or Skyra would play Chelsea or Watford because they drew. And I think they put in basically because they were selling their tickets for the Chelsea game, basically, thinking that they'd won already. So we had the article pinned up in the dressing room you know, it was a bit of a, you know, to give us a bit of, bit of extra. And then, you know, beating him on the
1: night was just unbelievable. Typical South End level, isn't it? Brash, cocky. When you're bottom yeah, of the league as well, it just seems a bit weird. Much,
0: yeah, it pretty much sums up, you know, them. And it's, it's probably sums up the manager, Steve Tilson. You know, I'm not, I'm not scared to, to say it. He was in typical, like, what he was about in that game and leading up to that game. Whatever it was, many years after when I was at Lincoln, maybe when he come in, maybe six, five, six years on, he come into Lincoln with that same persona, same attitude, you know, and we didn't see eye to eye, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and he was the main reason why I left left the club. To be fair, yeah. I was still playing and getting picked every week, but he, he could see he wasn't keen on me for whatever reason. But my performances were keeping me in my t- keeping me in the team. Right, even harder to I just, knew, I just knew he wasn't going to offer me a new contract, <laughs> so I, I decided to move.
1: Yeah, I had uh, Mark Quayle on the other week, and we obviously spoke about the, the South End game, and obviously he got, yeah. he got the goal, didn't he? But it must yeah, have been. Goal, yeah. would, would, you, would you put it up there with one of the best uh, nights of your career?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think. And then the, the, what followed after that, when we all, we're, all, I think were all in Berlin's in the night. <laughs> it was the Carnage. Um, yeah, it was the old night, you know, it was just unbelievable. I think knowing that you're going to get to play Chelsea if you come through that, and then to perform how we did, and and then get you know ultimately get the win, it was just it was just a crazy crazy night.
1: Did you get a shirt after the Chelsea game off any of them? Or?
0: Yeah, I got Frank Lampard shirt. Oh nice. Um, yeah, still got it, actually out the there It's still got it's still got mud. On. It's not been washed, so it's still got mud on it from the match. Right. Might be the only bit of mud that's left from the again to be fair um, but that was obviously nice to get Lampard especially coming up against him head to head for 90 minutes in that game um, and pretty much holding my own I suppose it was always nice.
1: Was it a bit of a surreal experience like in the tunnel and you look to your left and you've got like you know John Terry, Frank Lampard. Yeah it was and... I was
0: remember saying to, to Otty in the warm up when we were warming up and they run out. Every one of their players just looked about six foot seven tall. You yeah. were just You just looked across them and like every single one of them were just massive and yeah, they just it would just it would were, were you know because you, you watch a match day on Saturday nights and you are them and you know seeing them perform for England and you know performing at levels week in week out. So to get the opportunity to pit yourself against it is you know you always want to you know you want to give your best don't you and try and try and basically stick with them as long as you can and I think you know everyone will agree that game we, we, we did do that yeah we had to stay in the game a lot and but you know we were unlucky and we should have probably had the penalty everyone goes on about the penalty we probably should have had it then, but we didn't and, handball you know, yeah the handball from Gallas I think we went over the top of Chrissy Senior maybe and um Got, you know, it should have been a penalty but it wasn't a penalty um, and it, it's one of them we sort of leave we sort of go with you take, you take the memories out of the game and just you know take it as how well we did because um, it could have been a different story if we'd have gone back got, got a replay and gone down to Stamford Bridge
1: Yeah, Colin Crane could have scored or should have scored that header yeah he well. had an
0: header didn't he yeah Col had an header yeah he's another one, you know, a good mate of mine Cole um He's he should have he probably should have done better, but hmm. it's one of them, is it? It's if it falls to someone different, a strike or something, it might have been a different story. But oh, what he was didn't it like heading wh- the ball at the best of times? <laughs> anyway,
1: what was the midfield battle there? Obviously, was it Petit and Lampard against yourself?
0: And it started didn't it? It started with. Um, Lampard and they had a, they had a young kid player, Alexi
1: Nicholas I think. Oh, right. Brought, yeah, yeah.
0: And then they brought they brought they brought the tea on in
1: there. Not a bad. That's always
0: a nice one. isn't it When they brought <laughs> the Petey on after about sixty minutes, World Cup winner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think the team the fr- the team throughout was just full of top top class top quality players wasn't it. Yeah. You know, we we thought maybe ex- you, you don't know what to expect with Chelsea at the time because Abramovich were there and they had a big squad. You met, you thought they may played some younger kids or. But they come and they played a full team, which were, I suppose, showed a, a lot of respect to ourselves as well.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, just coming off that subject slightly, there, Steve Adamson's yeah. been in touch. How proud were you to win nine England semi-pro international caps? So England C, isn't it? I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah, really proud. You know, I think at that level, when you're playing at that level, it's sort of it's a big honour to represent you know represent the country and, and to be honest the way the way the club the way the England C team was run it was it was a professional thing you know you used to travel down they'd put you in an hotel leading up to the games and you'd stay down and train for a few days through the week and, and it was all done like you know proper international you got the caps and stuff afterwards um, and to be fair Paul Fairclough become a big of mine um, I think he was the one who me, he actually gave me man of the match against Chelsea live on Sky. So, and he was the England C manager. He tried to get me. He tried to get me to sign for Barnet a few times. Um, but it was, yeah, it was proud. Um, and I suppose it was nice for Scarborough as well to get a, a bit of recognition that you know some of the players
1: were you know getting all up to the England team. you bagged a goal as well for them. Yeah, I scored against
0: Scotland in the, one of the uh, England in the tournaments at the end of the season. Uh, we had a four nations where it was Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and um, we we won that a couple of times, and I was captain as well for them, so nice. that was always nice as well.
1: So, captain in your country is not a, not a <laughs> nothing to be sniffed at, is it?
0: No, it. And uh, I don't know, like I say, people sometimes brush it off and say that's oh, on England, sea but ultimately, when you're playing in the conference or non-league, that's the ultimate ultimate target, you know. Um, it's sort of the, the, the best you can play, um, so it was always nice to do that and, and to lead the lads out and win. You know, win the four nations was nice
1: yeah definitely uh, Tommy Smith's been in touch best Borough moment
0: best Borough moment probably scoring away at Southend. Um like I say the, with the you know the, the amount of fans in that behind the, behind the goal and with Southend stadium it's quite a tight tight stadium in it the, the fans felt like <coughs> they were on the pitch to be fair yeah um, and then from that going in the dressing room afterwards the lads were just buzzing so much we'd managed to get the draw and they were buzzing with me obviously getting the equaliser so yeah I'd, I'd have to say that one
1: any other contenders in there?
0: Um, god there probably is it's a long long time ago innit <laughs> you know obviously I've never a game man a match against Chelsea when you've played against you know the best players some of the best players in the world up there you know, I still have the the DVD now and you stood in the in the you know in the, the room after us getting interviewed outside of John Terry yeah Um, that's always
1: a nice nice picture to see yeah good stuff good stuff Uh, Andy Bloomfield asks who is the best player you've ever played with
0: the best player I've ever played with oh god Um, technically I'd probably say I didn't really get to play with him too much because it was when I was at Bradford when I was younger Uh, Benito Carbone alright Okay. not a bad one he yeah he was you used to train with him day in day out and he was unbelievable technically, he would just do anything and he was always the first player on the training pitch and always was the last player to leave training, um, he would just stay behind, taking free kicks, practising, 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 um, but yeah, his all-round game was just unbelievable, the levels, you can see why, you know, certain players
1: play at certain levels, you know, higher the levels and what you need to be able to do. Was he a um, bit of a nutter?
0: I was... Say that again, sorry.
1: Was he a bit of a nutter? A bit of a nutter. Yeah, not really.
0: He's not like De Canio. A bit more chill. He had the he had the feistiness, the Italian, you know, that Italian sort of swagger and aggress. Like yeah, feistiness. I'd probably say. Um, and he and he and he'd come, obviously come at Bradford as well. And at the time, even though we were a Premier League team, we were we, we were you know fighting to stay up and stuff. So he got a bit frustrated with certain players because he he expected players to be able to do what he could do. Yeah you know, every single time, so he got frustrated at times, but he he had that Italian feistiness. he (laughs) was a nice guy, he was always good with the young kids.
1: Were you there when Bradford was leaving a few quid about the likes of Collymore and people? Yeah, I
0: was in the, yeah, I was in the, I'd done my, I was in the pro pro team then, yeah, when Collymore come in and Lee Sharp was there and we signed Robert Molinar, we signed all the Leeds players to her, Weatherall, Molinar, Gunnar Haller, Dan Petrescu, yeah, um, yeah, all them sort of players come in. Um, yeah, obviously Stan Coleman was a bit of a crazy one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can <God>. imagine?
0: <laughs> he was a loose cannon, but you know, decent guy as well.
1: Another one. I imagine he was pretty handy in training.
0: Uh, do you know what? When he came, he actually wasn't. I don't know because was he wasn't asked. Right. But he, he would not th- he, th- he didn't stand out in training. I think he was just by the time to come was. He was just one of them was just wanted to play games and he'd show glimpses of that you know, he was always that sort of player that'd turn on edge of box and just smash one in from about twenty five yard one he. He scored the overhead uh, kick didn't he? Was it on his debut? He scored against Leeds, yeah, it was yeah. against
1: Leeds. They got a draw against Leeds. Um, and yeah he's got an overhead kick live we'll on TV, I think that one Yeah I remember that one, yeah. bloody hell Show him my age now. Right? <laughs> um a couple of random questions here. <laughs> did, did Russell Slade ever give you a winner because he never gave me any says Jamie Towers? give you a winner a horse I imagine oh horses uh,
0: probably not to be honest there were there was a few lads who liked to bet on the horses back in the day including Jimmy Beadle, even though they were about yeah. 14 or so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah this was always, there was always tips bandied about and there were always like Otty was one of them and Shep Shepard was one of them who loved his horses and they all used to so many tips Got thrown about But yeah majority of them Never won But then when When they did win You, you never You were never on them Because you stopped backing them Because you lost <laughs> all your wages So <laughs> It won them Yeah no
1: Just on the back of that question What, what was uh, Russell Slade like As a manager And how did he compare To other managers You've worked under Yeah he was good It was good You know He was He was he was more
0: of a An aggressive Sort of manager That tried to get You know Get the best out of players Tactically he was alright, I say he was great he, he went on to have a really good career I think he's another one that got Players to play for him You know, he, he would, I would I do remember my first When I first signed, I sort of questioned Whether I'd made the right decision, to be honest I think we played Lee I on the Saturday And then the following Saturday we played playing Stevenage at home, my, it was my first home game I think we come in at We'd come in at one all. We were in 1-0, I think they scored a goal right on half-time And he'd come in and we had Remember the lad called Demo, Paul Dempsey, a young lad from Shelby. Yeah. He come in and he must have had a go at Demo and Demo went to answer him back to say no it wasn't my fault and before he could even do it, he had a cup of orange in his face. <laughs> and so he then went so he's got orange dripping off his face. And I'm on his store, what was I, eighteen at the time, I think. He's got he's got orange dripping down his face and he goes to speak again and the next minute he throws a jumper at him and the jumper just goes over his face. And the next minute, Demo just doesn't take the jumper
2: off. He just sits for the rest of the team talking all the time with this jumper on his head. Oh and I'm God. just thinking, what
0: am I coming <laughs> to here? Like, you know, I'd come and I'm thinking, Christ. I and I would, I would die to laugh, but I thought, I can't. Um, but that was, yes, yeah, so that was one of my first first <laughs> memories of Slade. <this>
2: but
0: <laughs> it was one of them to be fair. If you if you, were, if you give him, every, if you give him 110% and give him, you know, give your all, left you're all on the pitch, he was always all right. That's what he wanted. He wanted lads that would work hard and give everything, leave everything out there.
1: Just reading between the lines, there, I imagine there was quite a few um, heated moments in the dressing room. If because if you react like with senior players, I imagine they're going to yeah, speak back to oh, him.
0: Definitely, yeah. Uh, no, there was, but but ultimately, that's back in the day. That's how you. That's how you manage to get results. You know, I think people are getting a bit of a, a an insight into it now when they're watching Roy Keane's interviews after games and stuff. Yeah. You know, with these players, and he's right, you know, he's so right. The amount of times that, like when I was captain at Lincoln, we had a lad called Danny Gesson, the left winger, French kid, he was unbelievable, talented, but sometimes he was lazy, and sometimes I had to give him it, you know, I had to give him a rollicking and let him know because, he, 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 you know, he sometimes let the team down, but he'd even come up and say afterwards he thanked you for that because he maybe needed that, you know, and you, by giving him a Rollicking Helps him And helps the team yeah. But nowadays You don't see it as much Because People are scared Of what they can say And You know just get People take things The wrong way And It is disappointing that, that that happens Because It only affects Them as players As well
1: Yeah
0: You know I think it makes people Better players When they, when they You know They get a bit of a rollicking sometimes because you know we're all grown men and we're all doing you're all out there to get three points ultimately you know yeah. to become best friends on the pitch
1: yeah was it a strong dressing so. room that one then at, at the time, yeah it
0: was it was it was a strong dressing room we had obviously a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of quite a lot of experienced players when i signed now quite a young lad at the time so i had to sort of maybe show i had to show some good performances to to get respect from these lads Especially when you're dropping into a non-league circle. It's, it's difficult and you've got yeah. hard and professionals that have done it week in, week out for a long time.
2: Yeah. But you, know, you had like Otty and Nick Henry was there as well when I signed as
0: sister player, assistant manager. and You had a lot, a lot of experienced players. Um, so it was, it was. And I think you needed that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I don't know if you saw this question asked on Twitter by Hugh Brown. Um He I replied. Th- Bimbo, longest in yeah, shower. Yeah. Was Bimbo <laughs> Vatican the longest in the shower?
0: I never, I, I didn't really see Bimbo. He never used to come in. He used to be off all the time. <laughs> Bugged off back to Belgium, didn't he? <laughs> right. Um, probably says mate, more, more Silla. Was he? I think he's probably still playing in him, Ocilla. He's probably
1: still no on 28
0: idea. on his, on his passport, I think. <laughs> I was remembering when i come to Scarborough, he was like, oh, he's 28 and he's played 154 times for Sierra Leone or something. <laughs> he used to come in after games. He was unbelievable in games. And he'd come in and he couldn't walk. He was like he had bullet wounds in his legs and everything. <laughs>
1: There's been a few, aren't there? Yakubu and uh, Obafemi Martins, there's been a few. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, they come out.
0: Taribo West come out when he retired, that he used to be 44 when he was playing at AC Milan And it was like, what's going on
2: here? Yeah. I think Mo
1: Silly will win home. Oh, wow. So you just, so, uh, you just touched on uh, managers there. Um, who who was the best manager you worked for, and who was he, he mentioned? Him, was it Simlin before? I presume he would be one of the worst managers you worked for. But Tills, maybe yeah. on.
0: to be honest, probably I worked with some, some good managers. You know, starting with Paul Jewell back at, back in the day at Bradford. I always say he made me the player that I was because when I was training with the first team at sixteen, seventeen, he just set set high standards. You couldn't if you give the ball away in training, he'd be on you. You know, you you knew you had to perform at your highest standards. Um. So that was always good for me, whereas a lot of players nowadays might take that as a negative and say, oh, he's put too much pressure on me. Whereas back then, it, it, you knew where you needed to be, where your levels needed to be to, to be a successful footballer. Um, and then, you know, Sir Keith Alexander signed me from Scarborough to Lincoln, and he was, he was an absolute joy. And, you know, he sadly passed away through a brain hemorrhage. Um, but he was an absolute joy to play for he was, He'd was. he always look after his players And then yeah, Tilson was one I think he was just He was stuck in his own ways And wanted what he wanted He wasn't willing to give other people a, An opportunity um, And you know I worked with, him, with a lot of good managers in, in their own different ways
1: I almost forgot to ask you a question there From my friend yeah, Rob, go, Rob Wolford Who is a York fan Right. I get shot if I forgot this. Um, <laughs> but you obviously I saw that you were in the York City team of the decade, 2010 yeah. to 2020. Because obviously Coolo uh, yeah. was on the bench. Yeah. Mister Mr. Parkin was on the bench. Uh, yeah. He just asked what it, it, he asked about the owners at the time because obviously it was a bit of a strange time at York, wasn't it? And he asked about yeah. obviously Nick Pope. Uh, you you might have played with Nick Pope while you were there as well. And, and what that team no, was I'd like. I
0: had left when Pope comes.
1: Oh right, okay, there you go. I there um, so yeah he, he said he's interested to, to hear your take on the owners because uh, it went to, to pop shortly after
0: yeah to be honest it's, it's, it's a tough one for me to comment on that because when I was there it was, all, we, it was sort of the most, probably the most successful time that York have had in a, in a number of years so it, it was all alright it was Custy Jason was fine Jason was always around the club you know I think it was only after pretty much the year, year when Gary Mills got sacked the following year and I left then just after that, at the end of that season. So I think I probably just left, under, you know, before it all changed. I think there was a couple of fallouts with it, you know, Jason, his sister Sophie, other people involved, and then they brought in Jackie McNamara. Was obviously a lot of talk about that. So I suppose I can't really shed too much light. I can't really say too much bad about Jason. To be honest, he was always good, you know, good towards me, and in the time that I was there.
1: Yeah. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Um,
1: Mr. Parkin, what was he like? Well, he was not there
0: when I was there, parking. So oh, I, I know John a- though from playing against him over the over the times and bumping into him a couple of times at Pontefract races. Where he like likes a beer. <laughs> his, his podcast is but, brilliant.
1: The Under the Coffee yeah, Podcast. Uh, yeah, podcast.
0: I've listened to it a few times. He's, he's a he's a funny guy. You yeah. know, he's he's a, he's the one of the old old school brigade footballer, and yeah, loves the bet, loves the beer. Um, and yeah, he had a successful career as well as a top guy so.
1: yeah definitely uh, you've obviously briefly mentioned there your time at Bradford but let's just touch on your career before we go on to your 1-11 to yeah. of players you played with at Borough yeah. um, and, and obviously you started at Leeds and went on to Bradford and, and Hulls three, three massive clubs there in Yorkshire so just touch on how that how they came about and and what happened yeah, there
0: well, I, was at Le- I was at Leeds from being like 7-8 year old in the academies uh, and then I, got, I actually got released at about 13 for being too small, I was told. Um, but then, luckily, the following weekend, playing for my Sunday league team, Farsal Celtic, I got picked up by Bradford. I got asked to go on trial, and it pretty much went from there. So I went on trial, got got offered schoolboy forms, then went and left school, got offered YTS, then signed a pro at seventeen. Um, played in the Premier League once for them, and then when we got relegated, we had a Scottish Scottish manager come in, Jim Jeffries, and. I just felt like my chances under him were going to be limited. So, and then I, I think Hull put an offering for me, and I think it was around eighty thousand or something like that with appearances. So, we went and spoke to Hull, and they were in League Two at the time. Also, a big club over the you know the last sort of, five, ten years, but they were in League Two at the time. And I think they would just come out of administration and they get. So we went there and I signed a three-year contract at Hull, uh, which was good, and it was just going to be the start of my career really to kick on. But then I had a bad back injury within two weeks of signing from and I was ended up being out for a year over a year um, got told I may not play again I had to have an operation to have a disc part my disc removed right out of my back and then I come back come back from that and basically got to Peter Taylor coming who obviously went on to my manage England he coming as manager and was like everyone's going to get a chance to see if they can you know perform and, and then within two days I got, a, got pulled in his office and said that I won't I want to be part of his plans so that's where the move to Scarborough come about then so yeah. I settled my contract with Hull, and I got I was driving with my agent and Scarborough and Chester at the time who were top of the conference were, were
1: interested oh, um, Why Scarborough and then over I, Chester? Well it was a tough one
0: I, I got a few bad, bad, bad uh, feedback from a few people I knew at Chester from the manager Mark Wright at the time Right He was very up and down you could be in the team playing one minute and then before, without even any sign, he'd just drop you, and you could be out of the team. And it's a bit, con- you know, controversial. Some of the stuff I, f- I heard that went on there. So, you know, I decided to choose Scarborough, and it was great. You know, it was great for me. I enjoyed my time there, coming and fitting straight away. And you know, made a few, made a lot of friends. That I still speak to now, you know, from Scarborough days. First I'd impressions speak to of more, the club. From, sorry, like sorry, I sorry. Carry on. Uh, I th- probably speak to more players from from when I was at Scarborough and then I do other clubs that I've been at. So that's that was nice, always nice. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, obviously Scarborough I had a couple of good seasons and then I was out of contract. I was out of contract at Scarborough and also at the time there was a little bit of, a bit of confrontation in the press about what happened and I got blamed really for costing, costing Scarborough a bit of money but it was totally not to do with me. Um, I know Barnett put an offer in for me. Barnett were well, top of the league that season that I left and Barnett put a 50 grand offering for me and the club turned it down because I was on a Bosman because I was under 24 so they were like well we'll get money for him anyway in the summer and then the summer come and went and I didn't I was away with England and the club was, the club had to offer me a contract in writing by the first week in May and they didn't and unfortunately for the club it was run it was run a bit shoddy at the time so whoever the secretary I think didn't get the contract out in writing so I ultimately become a free agent all right so I then I then went and spoke to I was speaking to numerous clubs anyway Lincoln Grimsby under Slade because Slade had gone to Grimsby and tried signing me Barney Layton or there were a few clubs that I was speaking to and then it it, it come to it come to light that they wasn't they wasn't gonna have to pay any money for me because of the i had become a free agent due to the basically medulance of the of the club
1: yeah had and the club made you thinking. an offer would you have would you have considered staying at Scarborough? or was your mind made up that you wanted to leave no
0: to be honest no my mind was made up to leave just because I, I was so ready to be you know so I was, my performances were ready I was I felt like my performances were good enough to be playing back in the league and as every player will tell you when you've been in the league or out of the league you want to be back in the league you want to play as high as you can so if we could have done it with Scarborough, then great but you know, it was always time for me to move on. You know, I'd come and done give everything I could for Scarborough for two two seasons and my tr- <clears> basically, you know, learned my trade. Grew grew as a man, really, playing mm. and getting week-in, week-out games. Um, and it was time to move on. But if, if a club would have had to pay money for him, that was not an issue. Do you know, it was the fact that that's just how it come about. Yeah. And then I got flagged off a little bit in the press by it at the start. And I know a lot of fans turned against me a little bit but they were only following what the club had put in the press and they had to come out and apologise and say look this is what happened it was our fault wow uh, mm-hmm. so which was a shame because you know when you had a couple of good seasons and give all for a club for that to happen but ultimately yeah. football money talks done it and and that's where heads of the club went bust not long after uh, and i'd moved off and moved to lincoln and had six seasons at lincoln played over 250 games in the league and captained the team for five years um, had some real, real good times, but in the playoffs, a few, you know, a few years on the on the trot, and you know, I loved my time. And then when Tilson come in, it was just, <laughs> I was playing week in, week out. I remember my last game for um, for Link, I got man of the match on the Saturday against Port Vale. And we was I was in the first team. We did shape on the Monday. I was, we were away at Bradford on Tuesday night, and I was in the first. I was playing, um, but then I got the manager basically said to me, "Look, I can't promise you a contract." At the end of the season, a long-term contract, and he said, "And York have come in, made an approach for you." So I went home and thought about it. I thought long and hard about dropping down at the conference again, and um, but I did it, and I just went, you know, what? At ten o'clock that night on deadline day, I just went right, going, and I drove to York, had a medical, and signed. And to be fair, it was probably the best decision I made.
1: Who was the manager of York when you signed for them?
0: Uh, Gary Mills. All right. Okay. And I went there and I had two two and a half seasons at York. Probably the best football I played in my career. You know, I went there. It was so good, chilled and just really enjoyed it. Um, so, and then we got promoted back to, you know, York have been out of the league for so many years and we got promoted back to the league. Unfortunately for me, I missed Wembley. We had Wembley twice in 2012, in one week, FA Trophy final and um, playoff final. And I tore my ACL in the semi-final away oh. at Lewin. So I were out. Mm-hmm. Missed both for at to the Wembley, which was a shame, but... It's football, it, is, it happens, um, yeah, and then, then after that I went to Grimsby and then pretty much had a year at Grimsby and then went into non-league part-time and that's when it sort of, for myself, I lost a lot of love for it because I was so professional in what I did when I trained day in, day out, when you go part-time and you're training on a Tuesday and a Thursday night and like, sometimes you go and train and there's only five lads turning up for training, mm-hmm. you know, and I just lost lost a lot of interest, lost a lot of love for it.
1: Yeah, um, it's a completely different game, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's so it's so much difficult cause because it becomes it becomes like a second a second ob- it becomes a hobby more and a second income really for lads They're working day in day out and they're going straight after to train and and when you get you know sort of the back end of your career when you've played over five hundred games at full time clubs, it, it is hard to keep that keep that desire and you know want to do it when the professionalism drops from, you know, from other people. Mm. Um, but I still play a bit now for like a charity team. I, I play for a charity football team called Sport Charities FC I raise a lot of money for different charities and, you know, I, I can still play, I enjoy it and it's just, I suppose, the fitness side of it, the fitness levels, I always get cooler saying to me, oh, you come down and train with us and do this and do that. Um, but it's just fitness, level. if I could get my fitness levels up, I, could, I, I believe I could still play at a level like, you know, that uh, but then it's just having the desire to want to do it and to want to travel around the country and give up your weekends and stuff like that
1: yeah where would you say what part, part in your career do you feel you played your best football you were at your best
0: um well i had a couple of good years at lincoln where i was i was i was on good you know real real good form but i, I probably believe york well i say when i went to york i was I, I was on top of my game and I, I pro- I'd really matured as a player. And I think Gary Mills, as a manager, suited me. I just played diff- sat in defensive midfield, and just literally we dominated teams. We, we he wanted to play football, and it was just a joy to play in. You know that the year at York, some of the football we played was unbelievable, um, and that was a joy. It was a joy to play, and I could watch most of them games back now and enjoy them.
1: It was cooler at York with you? Oh, was- yeah, so I was. Yes,
0: right. So be yeah, so cooler. I'd had, when Coolo's, I played against Kulo loads at Grimsby and Lincoln Games, and I'd spoke to Cohen actually, was played a part in getting Kulo to York, I'd spoke to Gary Mills, the manager, and said, you know, look to bring him in, he's, he's a good player, he's decent, and then, unfortunately for Kulo again, he'd come in and did his ACL again for the fourth time, I think it was, so he had a bit of a stuttering start, but, you know, Kulo was always a good player, probably due to injuries, didn't. Succeed probably what his potential could have been. Um, you know he probably could have played a, a lot higher. Well, he played in the
1: championship, but he could have played probably played a lot more games in the championship had it not been for injuries. Yeah, definitely. What about John O'Green? Was, was he did he come to York after you left?
0: Not really. I played against John a couple of times as he dropped down the leagues, but you know he was another one you could see you know, just from watching him off on TV when he was at Man United and the career he had. He, he had a great career, didn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, he was a
1: top player. Yeah, definitely. Right, we've asked you to put uh, together your one to eleven as yeah. players you played with at, at Scarborough. So if you want to just yeah. fire, what formation have you gone begun with, uh,
0: I just stuck with I just stuck with four four two. Like it? It was quite like a tough it. one actually. To be fair, when I was, I was trying to remember, you know, oh. you going back like a lot of years, right? so I I'll try to remember players and stuff. But um, I think in net in net I went for Lee Walker, which was a, pretty much a given. Um, yeah. You know, he was pretty much the main keeper while I was there. You know, good lad as well. I'd come across Lee within like youth teams when I were at Bradford. We always played reserve games against Barnsley and Sheffield United, and, and Wacker were both of them. So, um, and he was a good another another good another good lad to have in and around the dressing room. You know, that's one thing that we had a real good tight knit dressing room, and Wacker was part of that. Um, and then left back, I went for Stephen Kappa. Right. It was a tough one between Kappa and Kev Nicholson. Obviously, Kev was played at a high level, good left foot, steady, away. I just felt Kappa was—he was—he was quality. He probably seen more of him in, in training. He was absolutely quality, and he was—you know—we we, we had a good understanding as playing. You know, we could both, both knew we were comfortable each other on the ball, and we could have ball in tight areas. And, and he, he was—he was a top player, to be honest. Um, Centre half, I went for Otty and col Crying.
2: Yeah,
0: you know Mark Otty I always give him a lot of stick and saying he's he's terrible on the ball and <laughs> this and that. But we always wanted to. Run. But to be fair to him, you know, if you, if there's one player you wanted out on the pitch with you on a Saturday afternoon, you know, away at Braintree or Edsfleet or something like that, it'd be you know, it'd be Otty. Um He was like a rash. You know, he was, he was a quality defender. It, not many people got past him. And, To say he was only about five foot one tall He used to um, He used to be good in the head And he had a good leap on him And he'd win his fair share of um, You know, duels with strikers And then Colin Cryan You know, a good friend of mine Again, who I went on to We went to Lincoln together So we played together at Sky Brown Lincoln And I think he complimented He'd compliment Otty You know, what sense of Cole was He hated heading the ball But he was more of a composed You know, footballing sort of centre half um, and then right back I went for Steve Baker, only because he'd kill me for not putting <laughs> him in this. Um, <laughs> to be fair to Baker, he you know, obviously played at an high level with Middlesbrough, and he, if it weren't for injuries, you know, I think he'd have gone on to have a more successful career than he did. Um, you know, showed his quality when I were at Scarborough, another experienced, composed on the ball. Um, I, I just put Baker in just uh, in, instead of Ashley Live. Um, Ash was you know another good player. Um, I just went with Bakes I think he was um, if it weren't for injuries I think he'd have been you know he'd have been a top he'd have played at a lot higher level for a long, a lot longer yeah um, midfield I went for this is another tough one I went for Keith Gilroy yeah. right mid you know he was quality he's another one that come in at a similar time to when I signed um, he'd come in from Middlesbrough as a youngish lad as well and he was he was like a Rolls Royce was Keith he, was, he had so much quality and he you know, he used to just glide past players. You didn't even think he was that quick. he just, it just float past players. And you know, he had great delivery. And I'd thought sort of, it was between Keith and Ashley Kostanovic, who obviously played the part of mm. part in the big the FA Cup run. And Ash was obviously he was quality for us. You know, coming in from Sheffield United, and he was total different players. But I just put Keith in there just for a longer period of time, playing with him, and he's a bit more elegant. Um, on the left, I put David Pounder. Yeah, who he was one of the players that, when I first signed for the club, um, he was there, and he, I played against him a couple of times as well in youth teams. You know, we were the same age growing up, um, and he was a, he was a quality player. Another player that could have gone on to play at a higher level, as it not been for injuries. You know, he had a bad injury at the end of the season when I were there. So then the following season, he he probably struggled to maybe get as much games as. As he, as he probably should have
2: done. Yeah.
0: Midfield. Did you want to put? Did you want me to put, pick two other players, or do you want to pick me? Me in the team as well. It's
1: totally up to you, mate. It's always an interesting one. Some people pick themselves, and some people don't. Yeah, so well, up to you. Yeah,
0: to be honest,
1: i would pick yourself, I'll put myself. In, uh, yeah, go I'll, I'll
0: go for myself um, in there with, with Jimmy Kelly. Yeah, I played with a lot of good midfielders at the club. You know, Tyrone Thompson, Neil Redfern, who had also played with at Bradford. You know there were a lot of good midfielders. We had I I don't know if you remember him, a little French kid called Jack Williams.
1: in left He was he was quality. You know in training, he was a, he was
0: such a good technical footballer. I think he maybe just struggled with the the, um, the physicality of the game at yeah. the time in, in England. But he was a quality player. But I just think for the partnership that me and Jimmy forged, um, we I think we just complement each other so well. You know, Jimmy was an old school you know, hard tackling, tough tackling midfielder, got around, quite vocal, and I think he was quite good for me at my age, he gave me a licence to pretty much get around the pitch and have a little bit of freedom, Yeah. Um, so so that was that one, and then I'd put, this is a tough one with the strikers, I'd, uh, I, I'm going to, I, oh well, he'll, he'll probably keep, He'll probably kill me for not putting him in but obviously Kulo, I obviously cooler, I'm gonna put I'm gonna look at putting Cooler in, but I didn't play much with Cooler. Um and although he was you know, he, he went on to be a quality player at the time he he'd only played a couple of games, so I'm not gonna put him in. I went with Tony Ackworth and Quayley. Pretty much just to compliment each other, to be honest. Tony Ackworth come in and he 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 got a lot of stick, I suppose, sometimes for missing chances and stuff like that, but he offered a lot. I suppose fans don't see sometimes what what he, you know what certain players bring to the team. Um, you know he, he often like got hold of the ball for us. He brought 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 me into the game quite a lot from midfield. You know, getting, getting in and around him, and he worked he worked hard. You know, he was like a, a battering ram. He he won't let defenders rest. He'd constantly put under pressure, and as a team, it always helped you. Actually, it helped you if you're under the cosh a little bit. You know, he'd you know you could get it up to him, and he'd protect it, and you know get us out. And then clearly, I think it speaks for himself, he was just a he was a natural goal scorer. Yeah, definitely. um he he always seemed to be in the right right place at the right time and yeah. and he were another one that you know, he worked hard for the team. I okay. think that was one of the things that we had when I played there. We had you know, whether it were one to eleven or one to sixteen, we had every player would have that same mentality of hundred and ten percent work for each other. Um and a few obviously a few players that missed out, you know, Chris Senior another good player on his day you know a little bit of a super sub coming on and you know he was quality for these little spells another lad Cleveland Taylor when I first signed at the Mm. club he was on loan from Bolton very good player went on to have a good career Um, um, good career and then as well um, Gary Cohen as well he was another one who was there when I first signed who was a quality player who went on to have a good career played league football so there were a lot of players that that could have got in there that didn't it's always a tough one isn't
1: it these one yeah definitely have you got Jimmy and Kulo carrying the bottles and water boys no, Jimmy,
0: Jimmy's Jimmy's somewhere probably having a bet and Coolo's cleaning my boots <laughs> cleaning my boot boy with Kulo so. <laughs> was he good <laughs> no they like,
1: did he keep him clean did he keep him nah, clean no not
0: really all they ever wanted they wanted money off you that were it <laughs> they didn't do your boots properly and they were constantly oh I've got, got my wage can I get paid for it can I get this can I get
1: that straight to William <laughs> Mill yeah <laughs> that's it yeah so have so, you enjoyed doing the podcast anyway
0: and Scott have you enjoyed looking back yeah, through
2: here yeah
0: yeah it is it's, it's, it's always nice I did one for the York one a couple of weeks back so it's always nice to, to it opens your eyes back to where to them days and I think you'd go back in a if you could go back to that Chelsea the FA Cup run it you'd go back in a heartbeat
1: and fond memories of Scarborough do you, do you still look out for the results do you ever get over here yeah
0: yeah, no, always come, me and Otty always come over every now and again for a few games and stuff and have a few beers in Scarborough and stay over. So hopefully once they, once this is all over and the you know, fans are allowed back in, we'll be, we'll be over again, watch a game and get a couple of beers in Scarborough.
1: Brilliant stuff. Really appreciate your time there, Scott. Thanks yeah, for taking no the time to there. speak to us and we'll catch up yeah. soon, hopefully.
2: Yeah, all right, Dan. Thanks, Scott. Again, Cheers, now. Thank bye you. Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the latest episode of the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. For the latest local sports news, visit wwwthescarboroughnewscouk slash sport. And don't forget to buy your copy of the Scarborough News every Thursday, featuring
1: all the latest sports news, roundup and reaction.